Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, February 15th edition of the Basement Academy. Our morning psalm, Psalm 15, takes us to the house of worship and who is worthy to be in God's presence. The answer is none of us. <laughs> Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ and his worthiness that leads us into the presence of our God. Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Hmm. None of us do those things, right? And so this becomes a psalm uh, that's a prayer of confession. And then it also leads us to understand Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the righteous one, who enters into the presence of God in his atoning sacrifice to atone for our failures. And so thanks be to God. All right, let's carry on thinking about the development of character and how suffering plays a role in that. So read several scriptures yesterday to frame that up, to count it all joy when we encounter the trials for it develops perseverance, rejoicing in our sufferings for the perseverance and character and hope that it uh, provides. So how does this happen? What is it in suffering that uniquely seems to fashion and shape and forge uh, character? <clears throat> suffering at its root is an experience of deprivation. It deprives us of something that we value or someone that we value. So our suffering may be grief. We, we lose a loved one or we lose a job or we lose an opportunity or we lose health. Uh, we, we lose money. Uh, some financial transaction goes off. So we find ourselves in each of these situations in some aspect of deprivation. We're experiencing loss. Typically, we think suffering as a physical um, reality, right? But but often, truth is, it's a, it's a, an emotional, kind of mental, emotional, spiritual reality. Something that would be invisible to someone out there, uh, it's impacting our lives in some way that others may not uh, be aware of. So we often carry it in, in an interior manner. So we experience some loss. We are deprived of some some relationship or some opportunity or some thing, right? And that loss stirs sadness. There's kind of an emotional response. Sadness, sometimes anger, right? Uh, depending on the nature of the, uh, the situation. Pain, there may be physical pain. So we're deprived of the opportunity to live this day with health, 
and, and all that comes with that, you know, the joy that we can experience today with some people live in chronic pain or chronic emotional pain and anxiety. So, so this loss stirs uh, some emotional response, sometimes a physical response in us where we're actually carrying pain. And with this loss, we lose a sense of control of our own lives. I am no longer able to determine the outcome of my life, be it in grief, in loss of a loved one, I cannot bring that person back. That relationship is now over, except in so far as we have memories. But I no longer am in walking with that person or that job ends and I'm fired and or uh, I'm opposed for my faith and all of a sudden relationships scatter or again, you know, worst case scenario in the suffering, you're persecuted, you lose um, uh, access to the community that you you once uh, enjoyed. So all of that, we lose a sense of control, a sense of freedom, a sense of agency and self-determination. None of us likes that, right? So suffering comes to us in many forms. Count it all joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. And so the trials come to us in many different uh, sizes and shapes. But there's always an inward, emotional, often physical response for the believer, okay? So again, we're talking about suffering for believers, okay? It increases our dependence on God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who have been deprived. That They, they know their emptiness, their deprivation, that, that sense of need, that sense of want. And so the empty hands of faith, we come to God, help me, I am at a loss. Uh, the, the, the situation that is now unfolding around me, I'm not able to control, it's happened, I can't undo the thing. And so we cry out. And so here is where a, a, a character thing starts to happen, right? Character formation starts to happen. I have to lean more fully on Jesus Christ. I have to cry out more more deeply to God than I've ever known. Uh, we begin to experience in the absence of what we yearn for, the opportunity for God's presence to begin to to fill that, a peace that passes understanding. But, but that happens as we bring that need, our suffering uh, to God. It's not automatic because even believers sometimes don't, you know, come to God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the meek. You know, we're not going to fight. We're, we're going to, to allow those powers that be that, that have brought this to us. We, we're shaped by that. We're not going to punch back. You know, we're not going to retaliate. But blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. There is, there is a, a, a fullness that awaits. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom. When we have nothing, God gives us everything. Everything that we have comes from God. And then that process begins to do a work on us. We begin to think differently. And so often in suffering, people 
perspective changes on what is important. We've all gone through this. We've gone through this collectively, right? Just think back to September 11, 2001, in the aftermath of that, the, the red and blue partisan kind of politics that we were playing and, and are playing again, of course. But things that, that seem so important, fighting for my position, that, that stuff recedes to the background. And we come together as Americans, you know, in, in September 11th. So often as pastor, I, I walk with families through this, you know, an illness strikes, cancer or something else, or there's a, 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 a an impending a death in the family, bereavement comes close. And it just, you know, nobody's like rushing off to the office when their loved one is dying. They that's important, but not as important. And so it changes, suffering has a way of changing our perspective on the things that we often think are important. They're relatively unimportant compared to the relationships, the health, the need, the situation that is now confronting us. And that change of perspective, we could say is wisdom, right? Wisdom begins to emerge. So Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach me, O Lord, that we live, that I live with numbered days. Now, I know that right now, speaking to you on Tuesday morning, that my days are numbered. If I knew that the number of my days was down to seven and I had one week to live, how would I live differently? Well, I think I would. I would make sure I'm in touch with people. Okay, so teach us to number our days right. Do we gain a heart of wisdom? Why don't I stay in touch with people? Hey, why do I spend time in front of the television kind of on a mindless activity when I could be in conversation with loved ones, right? And so... So I think you understand that. So it changes our perspective on what is important. Suffering also reveals our mortality, which again, kind of dovetails with this, this numbered days. And so through the loss that we experience, again, it can come in many shapes. If we let it, we can recall our humanity, our mortality, our numbered days that sobers me up. It um, um, deepens me, right? I mean, that's often the language that we use, that, that loss and grief in particular often deepens a person's appreciation for life, for its gifts, for each sunrise, each sunset, each... Um, meal set in front of us, each opportunity to interact with our children or our grandchildren. There's something in that experience that brings us to a place, again, and I think there's some kind of feedback loop that happens in here because it's, this isn't a linear progression. You know, the loss continues, the pain, the sorrow, I wake up, I still hurt inwardly or physically, I cry out to God for strength, I... I work my way through the day. My mortality's relieved. I remember I've got a number of days. I'm in touch with people. Um, 
And then it establishes a point of contact. I, I, I don't, this isn't the best way to phrase this, but I, I couldn't think of another way. <clears throat> Our suffering becomes a point of contact with Jesus Christ who suffered for us. Jesus came for many reasons, to reveal the, the, the grace and truth of God, John chapter 1. He came to teach, to show us the way, to, to remind us, you know, he is the good shepherd, he is the vine, he, uh, all, of, all of these realities, teach us to love our neighbors, ourselves, etc. But he came to suffer on the cross as an atoning sacrifice that we might be forgiven, that the penalty for our sin and rebellion would be paid for by his precious blood. The life is in the blood, uh, we learn in Leviticus. Therefore, atonement is through blood. And so he suffers so that we would be forgiven, but he suffers so that we would not be alone in our suffering. All of our suffering does trace back to the garden. It traces back to Adam and Eve, their decision that they make to eat of the forbidden fruit, to take into themselves this prerogative to be as gods, to assert themselves. <laughs> and then the curse, sweat of the brow, uh, work is, is hard, there's labor, there's sweat, there's toil, there's thorns, there's thistles, and sometimes there's fruit, right? There's pain and childbearing, there's marital strife, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And so that which we experience in the human family, the human misery, human condition as we often talk about it, God ordained, God God said it would be so. <clears throat> and so this suffering that we endure always traces back at some level to the fall, to the reality of sin. And so God ordained salvation not to be with the wave of a magic wand. It's all over. <laughs> now keep living your lives you're forgiven. There's something in the manner in which he sent his own son to walk among us, to take human flesh, to show us the way to life, to teach the truth, etc., to show compassion, but then to suffer so that in our suffering, we know that we do not suffer alone, that, that God understands, that Jesus understands. And so, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, since the children, that's us, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Mm. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of his people because he himself suffered when he was tested or tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. 
His suffering becomes a point of reference for us, a point of contact for us. We establish God understands, Jesus understands the pain I'm going through. And so we get to know him better. And so, Lord Jesus, your suffering was for me. Suffer with me. Compassion, a passion, an intensity, a feeling. So passion that the passion of Christ often is referring to his suffering and his death, right? And so he has compassion. Come is the prefix of with. He suffers with us. So to be a compassionate person, we think of being a kind person, a compassionate person suffers with us, sits with us in our pain, in our sorrow. So compassion forms in us. And so it provides an occasion. So suffering provides an occasion for us to love and to be loved. When we're suffering, we receive love, the compassion of others, the tenderness, the kindness, the service, the help of others, certainly of our God, but of others. We carry meals to one another. We write cards. We make phone calls. We send texts to know that we are not alone. And so we receive love. And so in our suffering, we are loved. In the suffering of others, we then love them. We show compassion. Paul uh, writes about this in uh, 2 Corinthians. Let me try to get there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We're the wounded healers. Henry Nouwen, um, deceased Roman Catholic a priest, an author, wrote about the wounded healer. We are all wounded, and it's out of our brokenness, out of our pain, out of our sorrow and suffering as we experience the grace, mercy, compassion of God. And through God's people, we then offer to others out of our own sense of pain and loss. And this is character, right? So we begun, we we become, uh, or we begin to take on, as it were, the character of Jesus Christ, the compassionate one. As we set our needs aside for a moment and we step aside and care for someone in need who is suffering, we don't say, oh, I know exactly what you're feeling. Because No, I don't know exactly what you are feeling, but I know what I felt like. And so I'm going to come in that same spirit of gentleness, compassion, mercy, tenderness, support. And so suffering deepens our character. (laughs) It, it, It fashions within us the character of Jesus Christ. Yes, the head, heart, hand forms character too, right? You know, as we think in our good days and we're, we're moving along, we're not in pain and sorrow and anger and sadness and anxiety. We study our Bibles, our, our virtues, you know, the way we live and our affections and desires, the, the vices and the, and the virtues that we're uprooting and planting and the disciplines that we engage in, all of that is part of character formation. But suffering has a unique way of shaping 
the character of our Lord Jesus Christ in us. And it's because of his suffering for us. So let's close here uh, and we'll pick up and talk a little bit more about uh, uh, these thoughts tomorrow. Father, thank you for the suffering of our Lord Jesus, suffering on our behalf as our substitute that we might be forgiven, pardoned, set free from our sin. But thank you also for the manner in which his suffering enters into our suffering and our suffering touches him and his suffering. And so, Lord, as we walk this day, deepen us, fashion a tender, compassionate, merciful, caring heart within us that we might love others well. And we thank you for the manner in which we have been loved well in our times of loss and suffering. And so we lift our prayers for ourselves, loved ones, um, those in our circle of friends who walk the valley now. Use us even this day, Lord, to grant support. We bless you and thank you for hearing us as we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of all comfort and hope and compassion draw near to you and cover you and watch over you this day and forevermore. Amen.